0: Um, so hello everyone welcome to Guftugoo Ki गुड़गुड़ this is the seventh episode आज हमारे guest है एक बहुत ही guest. उनका नाम है परोमिता बोरा और वो एक filmmaker director uh, writer हैं और वो बहुत unique की ki films बनाते हैं बहुत unique किस्म का content बनाते हैं अगर आप instagram पे हैं तो आपने उनका काम देखा होगा वो एक organisation founder bhi hai, which is agents of ईश्वर आप you सश का काम देखें या फिर उनका अलग से जो फ्रम्स वगैरा है वह देखेंगे आपको एक इंटरप्लेट uh, दिखेगा लैंगवे से लेकर प्लेजर तक य you एकजिस्टिंग know, जो हमारे विचार हैं उसको क्वेश्चन करने कि कोशिश और थोड़ा बहुत मजिदार बना है की कोशिश भी क्योंकि बहुत सारी यह जो टॉपिस तो उनकी ये भी कोशिश रहती है कि थोड़ा फन हो थोड़ा प्लेजर हो इन बातों में थोड़ा रोमांचक हो तो उनके और कई पॉडकास्ट है तो दूसरे पॉडकास्ट पे गेस्ट रह चुके हैं तो आप वो भी सुन सकते हैं अलग-अलग टॉपिक्स पे पर आज हम स्पेसिफिकली उनके साथ भाषा के बारे में बात करना चाहते हैं लैंग्वेज के बारे में और लैंग्वेज uh, का कैटेगराइजेशन uh, mansik mental health के and more so pleasure or creativity के sath hui hai. so welcome paramita this is the seventh episode and aapne it's also 7 years of agents of ishq so first off, bolna about the 7 years
1: thank you thank you or Ah, uh, 14th december agents of ish 7th birthday hai matlab us din website uh, agents of ish ka jinko nahi website hai, social media platform digital platform which है pe sex love and desire ki baatein de karte hai, karke, hindustani audience ke liye uh jisse hi hindi Anglesi, tamil bangla par, इस अंदाज से हम इन चीजों के बारे में बात कर सकते हैं और जो हमारी रोज की जिंदगी से जुड़ी हुई वो भाषा जो हमारे रोज के अनुभव को डिस्क्राइब कर पाती है उस भाषा को ढूंढना और क्योंकि सेक्स जहां तक सेक्स का सवाल है ऑलरेडी हमारे पास ज्यादा भाषा है नहीं उसके बारे में बात करने के लिए जो लोग सेक्स ज्यादातर लोगों को सेक्स के बारे में कुछ नहीं जाता है हम बातचीत पब्लिकली कभी करते नहीं है तो कम से कम शर्म और ज्यादा से ज्यादा गिल्ट एंगर और जजमेंट हेट्रेड हर तरह के नेगेटिव रिस्पोंसेस से अक्सर जुड़ी हुई होती हैं uh, पर उससे ज्यादा क्योंकि हम इसकी बातचीत नहीं करते हैं हमें अक्सर लगता है कि हम अकेले ही हैं जिसको कुछ लग रहा है और इसलिए हमें uh, वो अच्छी चीज भी हो कुछ चीज मुझे अगर पसंद आ रही है पर उसके बारे में, तो मुझे लगेगा कि हां शायद मुझ में कुछ अजीब मैं अजीब हूं कि मुझे ये अच्छा लगता है एंड सो आई थिंक एजेंट्स ऑफ में कोशिश है कि भाषा के माध्यम से ये अकेलापन दूर किया जाए और हम जो बातचीत करें वो उस तरह की गिरी नहीं है I you that you to uplift and you positive, sex positive, and a good It's not about deciding um, are you a good sexual subject or a bad sexual subject. It's not about telling people that love or sex se. Uh, experience एक्सपीरियंस होती है या इसी तरह से जाहिर करनी होती है uh, पर एज ऑफ इश्क पे हमारी कोशिश है कि लोगों के साथ मिलकर हम यह भाषा बोलना है uh, हां हमने पहल की है एवरी कन्वर्सेशन हैज़ टू बिगिन समथिंग विथ फ्रॉम समवन तो वो पहल हमने की ऑफ पे uh, पर जिस तरह की हमारी ऑडियंस के साथ होती है और 7 सालों से चल रही है और कुछ लोग 7 सालों से जुड़े Unki apni growth, unki under Jo Badlavate, vo cheesebi agents of Ishkaik So, in that sense, ye co creation of language. Joki Mujilata, Bhasha Bandi saikatha, Esanike, ake Bhasha Banata. Language is created by communities and it's created by common experiences. Um, somebody may coin a word, but that word becoming a part of language, uh, that has got to do a lot with us being able to connect. To the experience or to the description inside that word. So, I think that Agents of Ishk is be very good thing. It's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. a very good thing. It's a very good thing. It's a very good thing. It's a trial and error It's So that's agents of And yes, seven years seven years but it's also I think if you have the capacity to grow along with each other like any relationship because audience or agents of each are perhaps it allows that the relationship with the audience is a long one
0: hmm. and I Committed think it... <laughs> yeah I think or relationship language I think it's important important because um i recently ek uh, article about gaslight being the term of the year And we have about uh, you know, people saying that you know, queer know hindi mein ya uh, original language Or bipolar Or mental health uh, identity descriptions So identity focused you know हो गई है uh, in recent times Ki, you know identity labels diagnosis sexuality और uh, जैसे मतलब know हम to image you know uh, तो मैं recently Goa and थी uh, world's longest flat statue है uh, bigfoot करके museum So, Saraswati statue but instead of being vertical it's horizontal है. और मैं जब वो देख रही थी तो मुझे वैसा फीलिंग आया कि मतलब जब हम सिर्फ से जीते हैं तो कभी-कभी वो आ like, Of आ जाता है लाइक ऑफ कोर्स वो ट्रू है हमारी आइडेंटिटीज और उनके साथ आने वाले एक्सपीरियंसेस अगर आप मार्जिनलाइज्ड हैं तो यू you नो know, दुख होना uh, होना या आपको ना मिलना as humans mm-hmm. वो छूट जाता है, ऐसे लगता है. तो mm-hmm. language का specifically recently कुछ trend mm-hmm. observe about categorization about mm-hmm. labeling and उसके बारे में कुछ विचार कि हम वो क्यों करते हैं? उसके कुछ think language is a living thing right? and uh, you have this term in
1: English dead metaphor जो अब metaphor, metaphorical ना रहा हो, right? uh, so I think that when you आप चपटा होने की बात करते हैं आ uh, मेरे दिमाग में ये बात आती है कि इसका right like my identity is only in one facet of me But uh, पर जैसे कि आपने कहा हमलोग complex हैं हमलोग के कई कई पहलुओं होते we uh, अलग अलग रिश्तों में हमारा एक अलग पहलू निकल actually Rishno whether at work, personal life, friendship, uh, नए mm-hmm. देशों में जाके लोगों से बात करना, intellectual uh, encounters, हर एक पहलू हमें भी समझ में आता है जब हमारे रिश्ते होते लोगों के साथ। तो जिस तरह से हम अपने आप धीरे-धीरे जानते हैं, जीते-जीते हम अपने जानने हैं। उस हमने बनाई इसलिए ताकि हम uh व्यक्त i mean it is meant for expression it's meant for connection uh, it's meant for making yourself known uh, it's also meant for understanding another person so i mean shabd because people dismiss it they say it doesn't exist or just say gaslighting ke mein tha ki, in a way when you can't pinpoint your experience, or somebody denies your experience, nah, then it is what's called gaslighting. And that can happen to a person who is pinpointing an injustice. That injustice can be social, that injustice can be very subtle between two people who are equals. Uh, and it can be horribly um. What can I say जैसे insidious जब uh, it's like you know small small things what we call microaggressions now right but, but so I think that one thing is that भाषा से हमारे अनुभवों को identification मिलती a और एक confirmation validation milti hai. so agar ki मैं jab मैं kafi uh, young थी मतलब I uh, Sintosni uh, although you know sometimes when you're not a very typical person, not that you can see that you can see that you can you can you are not a very typical person, you should fit in that you should see that even though I was very much on the outside of most of the places that I was in, but I didn't feel that fit in. Uh, mujhe zyada hu aur and um, I And so feminist type ki ki hai. And I thought like, ah, that's what I am. Usne, ka, ka, na, like they were dismissing me by saying that, oh, she is a feminist type of girl. It's not a good thing to be. But for me, there was a relief in saying that's it. I'm a feminist, so in a sense, the word allowed me to consolidate my experience. Where, so like, say, gandt kis tarah sab kuchko chod deata. But, apko kabi na kabi to gand khonni bhi hoti. Ap hamesa to gand ke andar sab kuch nahi rak sakte, right? So, I think like, uh, and I give the example of feminism because, uske, uh, uske baad once mujhe wo shabd mila, us shabd ke alag-alag matlab zindagi bar o uh, bharte jaate hain. You know? I began to I understood feminism differently at different stages in my life. I understood differently by talking to different people, by reading different things. So the word itself, I won't say that it changes in meaning, but it changes in meanings. Like it gathers more and more and more meanings inside it, right? So and that's the opposite of the chapter thing that you're talking about. That facets word. But I think that uh, some words need contexts. So for example, diagnosis, uh, which is an example you used about one's mental health conditions, um, they're needed in a medical context. Because uh, medical context or legal context, identification allows us to have rights, allows us to have treatment, allows something to be recognized and addressed. Uh, Saying that you are gay or lesbian or bisexual, transgender, allows you to have certain rights in law. Consent uh, is a word that it's a legal word and we we want to be able to use it in very many different spaces. But I think that one of the things that we see about language today is ki, it's the a little bit the opposite of what I described. There's a word and the word is like a little dhacha and I step into it and I feel like, yes, This is me, this word describes me, right? But sometimes a word can describe me before I have come to know myself. And then I think it can be very limiting for me, right? Like, for example, uh, if I have not really spent some time trying to understand my own feelings, my own responses, and I understand them only through language, it becomes that I fix myself in meaning before I have really understood my own meaning. So I feel that language is liberatory. Language is, of course, restrictive in its own ways. And language is contextual. So a word which is very useful in one context may not necessarily be as useful in another context. So even the word consent, you know, agents of Ishmael, we have done so much work on consent, but I often think it's an insufficient word uh, because it's a very legal word. And, you know, I can say yes to something uh, and not be empowered at all in the moment of saying yes. So that is why I feel like it is somehow, if we use a legal logic of consent, I have signed a document after arguing with the lawyer, whatever, whatever. I have given that consent. So it's a yes or a no. There's no ambiguity in it. But in lived life, there is ambiguity. There is complexity. There is mixture so while the idea of consent may be important to for a common minimum agenda it may not be sufficient to encompass all the interactions that we have in intimate life in friendship in sexual relationships and so on and so forth so should i use legal language in every location of life or do i need a different language for that part of life that when i'm you know when you sign a contract the lawyer always tells you when you say clause ye, ye clause No, ma'am contract to time va- time jhagra jhagra so the very nature of a, a of a legal contract is rooted in uh, conflict <clears throat> but so it is it is a little bit binary right and it is necessary at one level but it's I'm I think the important thing is not to say whether words, terms, language is necessary or unnecessary, but whether it is sufficient in every context. And I think that that social media, are very fast and very So the idea that once you have found a word, you will continuously use that word, and social media will ask you to be that word over and over again, and then that will begin to define you so much that you won't know a way out. Because social media asks you to be one version of yourself and it gives you maximum visibility if you are that one version of yourself. Right? If you are many versions of yourself, the algorithm can't catch you. So because the algorithm can't catch you, you start to become invisible. Right? That is why, for example, if you speak in binary terms, you are likely to do to be more visible on social media. Whether you're doing well or not, I don't know. But I want to use that word, but your visibility will grow. And so I think that brings us to the question whether visibility is necessarily the always the most necessary thing for us to become ourselves. hame And I think that is happening. So we find that there is more, it is more words than meanings that perhaps we are working with. And because words become the symbol of which side you are on you have to take mm-hmm. a side so the words become your uniform so it's like joining the army you know ki abye words a uniform and or may is mein ya and hum ye karte karte cheez ban jate hai, kuch uska bhi lag ho. we don't feel it's possible we don't seek that language so you aksar yeh bhi dekhto, ek like you know I'm very militant online for some time and then suddenly I go to the other extreme and say नहीं चीजें बिल्कुल बेकार but actually it's not an either or कभी-कभी आपकी militancy बहुत जरूरी और कभी-कभी उसकी कोई जगह नहीं है so चीज समझना कि context क्या है आ इसमें क्या अलग-अलग चीजें हो रही हैं इ अलग-अलग चीजों में मुझे सबसे ज़्यादा किस चीज़ को respond करना और कैसे respond करना But not verbal bhasha always. Sometimes it's a non-verbal bhasha. Sometimes it's a visual bhasha. So the idea that a bhasha is all our senses. All our senses have a language and our capacity to feel with our senses and sense something. Something which is not literal, which is not always tangible, for which we may want to create a new word. The old word may not be enough for it. right? So I think that this idea that we continuously... Uh, use our experiences, our senses, and our other languages, not only verbal. I think that social media, law, anthropology, academics, uh, these are verbal forms, and they privilege verbal language. But the thing is, we use many languages. When you say, Ki, love language? Hai, what are we really saying? That it's not only about words, that gestures are a language, that the way we look at each other is a language. Body language is a language. So what is our means to join all of these things in our interactions? It's our first thing. It's our complexity. And it's actually a human language. और...
0: Especially when you told me about the language sometimes going faster than maybe we have arrived. When we explore the opportunity to explore ourselves and already that word resonates and we feel like we live in that way. So recently, I have an article about Amiri we have access to the uh, people who have access to the people access to the people who to the people who have access to the to people who have access aspire karne wali cheeze hai ek din main bhi ameer Despise wasteful uh, extreme positions easily not to like dismiss the actual excess. Sometimes there is a lot of wastefulness and hoarding done by people of a certain uh, you know social class. So like real issues aside, it this was just more about like what happens to us when we see excess. But hmm. uh, the writer of the uh, article kind of said that you know both these positions leave out the fact fact excess also forces people to take up a position without knowing if that is their preference. So, Mm -hmm. the example that they were giving was that uh, Shire de Kinsan, who actually in a neighborhood, they are middle class or neighbors se baat kar and everything. But the moment they have money, they are kind of socially like there is a pressure, maybe by people of that moneyed class or maybe everybody, and they internal pressure bhi to forcefully move to this, you know, like less crowded place, where they have a mansion or or you know, whatever, like a particular kind of life ka picture whereas maybe mm. that is not even what they want but kabhi kabhi wo excess bhi aapko force kar deta hai, to live a script without you knowing mm. ki aapka preference kya hai so i think the way that that writer ended was ki uh, you know like everything else excess can also play that role ki jo humein hamare preferences find out karne ke pehle dhape mein dal deta hai and hmm. I think that's something that जो मुझे is है कि mental health के the जो भाषा especially उसके साथ ये hmm. एक हुआ है कि पहले लोगों के पास बिल्कुल अपने distress के लिए शायद भाषा नहीं थी. तो एक relief hmm. था hysteria और ये terms आए because finally कोई देख रहा है कि कुछ चल रहा है you know hmm. और फिर एक judgement आने लगा because ये फिर भी मुश्किल बातें थी because hysteria means that your reactions are so abnormal that you need to be hospitalized. So just because now it was known, as was not necessary that all the judgment was passed. So then democratized labels, people own, karte hai, claim, claim, self-diagnosis. Ki baat hai. But then ek, phir, liquidification also comes to it. Now we no longer know what something means. Like when I was a day, depression content so to mujhe ab andaza nahi lagega ki slight udasi ki baat ho rahi you know extreme condition ki baat ho rahi है jahan pe medical conditions ke saath ho akkar depression social conditions status technically depression कहीं, कहीं, you know now we no longer know what it means Hmm. So do you feel like specifically mental health maybe upwasi mental health kuch wala feeling aur kya hai, wo ja
1: I think that you know uh, uh, this idea of excess is a very interesting way to parse this concept. Kyuki, um, I'll take another kind of excess as an analogy: beauty. Say you're very beautiful in a conventional understood way. Uh, Does that beauty, you know, so I had a friend who was very beautiful, very uh, charming dynamic person, I really admired her. And of course, many, many people used to fall in love with her and uh, obviously since I'm not that character uh, and especially when I was young, I aspired to it, who doesn't? So I said once to her that I wish I was really beautiful. And she said, don't wish it, it's it's a curse. And I asked her why. And she said, because when you're very beautiful, people fall in love with you or they want you. And then they think you are supposed to respond to them. You are supposed to be there to respond to their feelings. And if you're not, they're angry with you. They're hurt by you. There's a continuous need to attend to their feelings, either in abstraction or in actuality. And i never thought about it that way, right? Like, so that idea of a script that not only she might have to live, but that other people might want her to live with. So I think similarly, uh, if you are an elite cis man, uh, you do live by a certain script of normativity and you do believe that you should fulfill that script, even if it is making you miserable and uh, ruining your emotional health, you know, all of that. Um, So I think that excess... Is a good way to look at the idea of privilege and how privilege itself locks you uh in. And maybe, yes, it's worth thinking about how our, you know, it's a safety valve for us to look at our own lack. It's also this. But in a way, that keeps you in your place, doesn't it? Because you can console yourself, ki, I may be poor, but I am good. So I don't become Ameer, So in a weird way, that binary keeps everything in its place. It keeps the rich person rich and the person who's not rich aspiring, but perhaps not aspiring in the same way, or, you know, it's complicated. I think ki, if you ask whether there is an excess of language and now with the excess of language, there is a voiding of meaning that have a lot of to that we Whether it is happening a lot with mental health, I don't know. I think it is happening with a lot of terminologies. So I think that you also see it. Uh, and, and these things are connected to at least emotional and mental health that, you are identifying all relationalities, uh, all behaviors uh, in terms of jargon of certain kinds, politically analytical jargon, which is very useful to describe processes, but may really uh, limit your day-to-day interactions with individuals because we are all complicated. We carry privilege, we carry marginalization in different contexts. So our ability to actually change ourselves and society happens via our relationships with each other, right? So then if we are continuously only using language, and I would stress the only, because language we may use to identify and to bring to critical mass a certain occurrence which is very scattered in society because it has not been named, right? But um, yes, it's true that once it is named and you don't allow a further... Like uh, ubharna experience, ka. Ubharna as slang. Why do we come up with slang? Because we are trying to identify an experience we are having. And I think a wonderful example of it is mansplaining. जैसे, जैसे mansplaining, they're like, yes, yes. <laughs> Before you even knew, Exactly what it means, you kind of sensed what it means, right? But I think, like you're saying, after some time, we start, so sorry. Uh, after some time, we start impoverishing our experiences in favor of maintaining language, right? That language to maintain language. Language a protocol, it has a meaning, and that is the meaning of life. matlab hai So it homogenizes experience, which is the same thing that we made that language for to break the homogeneity of experience, right? Or you have that I not I am And I read a very interesting article about how there is so much more awareness about mental health today, but who's allowed to be mentally ill and who is not? Is there a lot of sympathy for mental health of certain types of people and certain types of mental health? You know, what happens to somebody whose mental health is seen as being violent or dangerous or bad, or somehow, as the writer said, when madness is equated with badness? Uh, So I think this is an important question that while we are aware of mental health, and mental health is something we need to think about, uh, is every single mental health condition identical? And while at a larger level, we do want to think about mental health as a quality that everybody can have in their lives, as with physical health, um, really, will we be? should we address everybody in exactly the same way? Should all systems be identical? Isn't that the very thing that we are saying gave us bad mental health? That systems were identical and it can't accommodate diversity. So I think that, I, I don't want to use the word diversity because it has taken on a certain corporatized meaning. Um, and enjoys meaning. So, but this is, the thing is, this is an example. Diversity has been ta- taken on a certain meaning and lost some of its valence. But I'm not giving up on that idea, right? Hence, I look for a new word. So I might use the word heterogeneity. Um, uh, I I understood this concept of heterogeneity from a friend talking about uh, poetic language who told me that you know people like hybridity, but actually it's heterogeneity that is interesting. Many things at the same time rather than things amalgamating. So there are all these different things, right? Language becomes a hybrid, language also becomes heterogeneous. That there's a separateness, but, it, but also a coexistence in it. So I think this idea of there being a, who, the real question to ask underneath the question you're asking, I feel is, who is using the language? Although is, is a poor person uh, using that mental health language that is being used by English speaking elites? Is the use of that language by English-speaking elites benefiting another kind of person elsewhere who doesn't have that language? I think that's not a bad way to think about it. Not the only way, but one way to ask that, you know, is this really opening up space or is it closing space? Is it only some people who are able to use this language Mm -hmm. to help themselves? Or is the use of this language actually allowing us to bring more and more and more people into the frame? So
0: yeah, yeah,
1: inclusive. Basha ke dwara e inclusive frame could run. Mm. Uh takivo frame band naoja. This marriage is not an inclusive frame. Mm. Right? Marriage is a closed frame. So if you want to be two people who will under the law declare your relationship and the law will validate your relationship, you will then share property, share space, share emotion, and conform to certain definition then yes, different different types of people can be allowed to enter this frame, but it will always leave somebody out. It will always invalidate something else while it is validating something. Should we not therefore validate if two men wish to marry each other, should they not be allowed to? Well, as long as marriage exists, everybody should be allowed to marry. But if we think of marriage as the only thing that endorses and validates emotional relationships and intimacies, then you're leaving out a large number of people hence it's not really an inclusive frame, right? And so these questions really come up a lot when we're talking about rights, when we're talking about access, that how can rights be framed in a way that they incorporate the maximum number of people, that they don't create exclusions. And I mean, I always feel like like language, so politics is imperfect. We have to accept that it's imperfect so that we know that we will continuously be arriving to another place. No? I mean, utopia is not a place, it's an intent. So that intent has to always drive us. And I think, I meaning probably what you're saying about mental health may be true. And language can be a weapon, right? Language is a weapon you can use against injustice. You can use it on behalf of justice. Um, you can also end up using it on behalf of injustice, maybe not even intentionally, if you know what I mean. So I think that, yeah, these consciousnesses, I feel there are a lot there, even with terms that we see used for more everyday experiences like red flags I mean is it important to talk about red flags I guess it is because there are so many behaviors that we're like okay that warned me you know like I always I wouldn't use the word red flag but I remember when we were reading that Aziz Ansari incident that came in babe magazine and I said for me the warning moment would have been when somebody invited me to the house for a drink and said do you want red or white wine but then gave me white and Even if I had ignored that, my second warning moment would have been when the person paid for my dinner before I had finished eating. That would tell me that this person is just looking at me in a very instrumentalized way and I wouldn't be comfortable with it. But I can only say that after having lived for a certain amount of time and done all those things where I didn't listen to that, right? So that's my personal methodology for judging that. Can I extrapolate from this? I think maybe a little bit I can, but can I fix it forever and ever? And uh, can I then look at everything in exactly the same way, I don't think I can, right? So I think all of it boils down to, I think the confusion that we make between literacy and learning, you know? Having literacy is not the same thing as being able to learn. So language can give you literacy, but learning comes from many other spaces. And maybe we can talk about some of those spaces.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things which I feel like that is like this unvoiced, um subconscious maybe pressure within hmm. the practitioner community you know is hmm. also to treat i diagnosis clients patients so but specifically service providers because training बताया नहीं जाते कि we have सकता है that हम have कहीं say that we have to 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 say की we have to say that we have to say that हैं तो we have to say that we that we है and now, us stigma ko hatane ke liye democratisation reclaiming of those labels hmm. this person borderline this person bipolar to you know can't expect them to not test the therapist or can't expect them to, you know, be fully regulated like a person who is not struggling. Mm-hmm. So, now, this is a slippery slope. Ho jata hai. On the one hand, obviously, you can't say ki, you mm-hmm. know, this is comparable to a person with no history which led to these difficulties. Obviously, there significant more difficulties honge. regulation or interaction ko difficulties because there wounding bhi hota hai, jiski wajah se problems. Hoti but the other extreme is also somewhere maintaining it. Because we create an environment that you don't know? have to remove anything from your life. And even the therapist pandering to it a little bit by you know, giving those allowances. And yes, therapeutic relationship is a special relationship where you sometimes have to give some allowances. Dene hai, but sometimes you have to question those things and set them. तो कहीं न कहीं वो लैंग्वेज की वजह से एक अनबोइस्ड एक्सपेक्टेशन बन जाती है कि क्या एक्सपेक्ट कर सकते हैं उस इंसान से और क्या नहीं एक्सपेक्ट कर सकते और वो कहीं हिट्रेसी और लर्निंग के फर्क जैसा है कि अभी ये पर्सन फिक्स्ड हो गया कि इनसे तो सोशल रेगुलेशन एक्सपेक्ट ही मत करो इनको है Hmm. और फिर वही उनका लाइफ बनते fulfilling prophecy in some way and then सम वे एंड देन फिर कोई तो एक रेवोल्यूशनरी थेरेपी आएगी जो बहुत ही बेसिक चीजें बोलेगी कि आपको अपना डिस्ट्रेस खुद टॉलरेट करना है या whatever, और फिर वो अरे वाह ये पर्सनालिटी डिसऑर्डर्स के लिए बहुत अच्छे से काम करता है पर यही hmm. तो बातें हैं जो बिना इस emotional distress and in front of you he has most likely something that you have to expect mm-hmm. the response that you are giving etc. There are simple ideas in Eastern philosophy especially it is very easy to assimilate but revolutionary was it revolutionary because until we fragility so, either we were extreme that if we don't have behave, karna take them out of society, keep it different, institutionalize it. Or then, we had a fragility that they had to handle kids with their So, sometimes there is a difference between literacy or learning in this space. That we know, and now that is starting to define the person to the extent that limitation unke lifelong We don't expect them to learn to do any better. Whereas the relational aspect, which you have told, the complexity of the relationship, we learn the same in the new relationships that we didn't learn in the old relationships. And therapy could have been that new relationship where hmm. I am seeing that you come from like a wounded place, but I'm hmm. also somewhere holding that hope and expectation that this is where we can learn to do better.
1: but it's a limitation after talk- what you're talking about is you know uh like there are some terms for this like negative framing versus asset framing uh but the language of impossibility versus the language of possibility i think ye uh i also do believe and you know again i'm caveating everything i say but if I, i'm not a therapist i'm not a mental health professional so i don't know in that precise domain how it plays out but i uh, uh there are some, there, there are some people I know with severe mental illness who have chosen not to take medication back, right? uh, which seems very terrorizing a thought for most of us. And um, so this this acquaintance of mine does behave in marked ways which are not pleasant for everybody. But as a friend of his said to me, I admire it. I admire his ability to uh, find his own definition of functionality, and he has found a way to be himself along with his madness and his aggression and whatever else. And yeah, that doesn't always work for other people, but it seems to be okay for some people. So he has defined it for himself. Now, he could do it, you know, whatever, whatever the circumstances that allowed him to do it, he could. Other people can't or won't or don't, but I think that... um. I mean, not won't or don't, but other people can't, I suppose, right? Or that space doesn't exist to think, can it be done this way? And we find that may be also true of so many other aspects of life that, you know, even when we think about so much of NGOIs work, which thinks about people as having lack. And I'm going to talk about sexuality because it's the work that we are doing. And I think the dramatic difference between Agents of Ishq and many other Sexuality endeavors, not all but several others, is that they proceed from an idea of lack. Which you said, oh, sex is a taboo. Our culture is backward, Indian culture to both repressed Indian culture to asa, Indian culture to Vasa is kaar e ki tari is bhasha koham uh you know download karne logome, which is a sex positive bhasha, and then they will become reformed. Right? So I think that looks at people as having nothing and you as having everything, the expert. So it creates a kind of an idea uh, of monopoly over articulation of experience. Like sex positivity, that this thing uncomfortable that you are saying that you know sexual experience. And you have expertise and you have monopoly hai on the idea of sexuality. And you have a lot of sexuality not even stigmatized. You have influenced your right? I feel this is a, it's a very colonial gaze. A colonial gaze which says that, okay, I mean, it's like my colleague saying that uh, there is no literature in India, you know? It's like, it will fit onto one shelf. Um, so I think that this idea of trying to co-create, whether it is in the therapeutic room or whether it is uh, when we are doing an Agents of Ishq, to co-create with the other person ki. Without defining advanced, make you what you can and can't do, right? Uh, so I think in Agents of Ishq, we don't work with that logic that, you know, we don't that uh, logic really that, you know, we do it that you we do that logic so that, you know, we do it that that, you know, we do we do you we do we do you of Ishq, which was making fun of the idea of agency without the way NGOs use it. And because how is it defined in that language, right? Agency will be, I stood up and I said, I will not have a child marriage. I But after that, what happened to you, what happened to you actually want? I don't want that that you said. want? right? So, but the moment we do it like agents of Ishq, it's almost like having some kind of detective agency or any agency you want to do whatever you like. And the word ishk, which is very inclusive, which is very ambiguous also. It's fixed meaning. Nahi hai. Is it sex? Is it love? Is it a mixture? Wo, upar hai, how you see it. And it's in culture everywhere. Like people who don't speak Hindi also know what ishq means. Mota moti, right? So I think that as term and that language is so um, non politically loaded thi, that it acquired a politics. So you know, politics of creativity, politics of being, and politics of politics is very like politics of living is very different than politics of power. And if you are continuously only using language in terms of power and thinking about power, then you'd only be like you know swapping like it'll become like cricket. Abhi, teri batting aur many bowling, abhi teri bowling aur many batting, and doesn't really. Help us break that deadlock, which is I think a little bit what you're talking about. Whereas if I think about it as uh, um uh, ka, mera, mera ma- m- main jab ka kar, rahi hu, I mean this. And you say it means this. There are at least like five hundred versions of what people think Ishq is, and those versions are not necessarily in conflict with each other. They're all overlapping meanings, right? So actually it allows us to find a point of commonality and a point of separateness as well, which is also our hope for when we are talking about experience that my identity does define what experiences I have. If I am marginalized, I may not have your confidence. You know, if I am a person who is of, uh, if I'm not a beautiful woman, I may not have confidence or I might have a lot of confidence. You may expect me not to have confidence because I'm not beautiful, but I might end up having it. So there's no pre-definition, but the thing is that, yes, our our experiences by virtue of our identity do determine some aspects of our living, uh, some aspects of our possibilities. However, each one of us within that difficulty also finds certain strategies that we push against our identity. And who is going to ask us for those strategies? And how are those strategies going to become part of the common wisdom? of society it's very important that we be able to create structures and spaces which continuously allow that common wisdom to come through and break the stereotype you know so the stereotype of ourselves the stereotype of each other and i think that that idea of co-creation is something that over the years of working i really have struggled with it it's not always easily possible it is not an even plane you know sometimes i'll create more you'll create less other days you'll create more i'll create less but woe धूप छांव और वो लेना देना और वो नोक झोंक और वो साथ में कुछ करना वो रिश्ते में ही एक नयापन आ जाता है रोज एक नयापन आ जाता है राइट सो आई फील कि ये चीज हमें कहानियों में दिखाई देती है ये चीज हमें गानों में दिखाई देती है हमें कविता में दिखाई देती है किस तरह से लोग खाना और किस तरह से वो एक to की बात सुनते हैं और किस तरह से हम जिद We अपनी बात to हैं to को किसी But हक are हैं मतलब रिश्तों to हक house. और सरकार के साथ हक मांगना to the अलग किस्म is मतलब होते हैं हक the house. This is the house. This is the house. This is the house. This is the मुझे हक है तुमसे ये चीज़ मांगने की या मुझे हक है तुमसे it's very different in another context where I might not have that right. My rights are also not uniform across the board, right? In some other place, I might have to go and ask somebody, why are you angry with me? Or, well, I am upset with you and this is why I'm upset with you. And I cannot expect that the person will automatically understand why I'm feeling that way. So, and with the government, I definitely want to not necessarily do it alone. I want to be in a group of people with whom I share that identity and demand that I want these rights. You know? So this vulnerability of being and vulnerability not in a bad way, but as an openness, open to something, which is that I am neither victim nor victor. I'm always transitioning somewhere between the two, right? and. In that transition, how can I make the good things in me more and the difficult things in me less? And that's why I also feel, you know, like people say this thing, ki, if you want others to love you, you have to love yourself first. But I always feel like when others love you, you learn to love yourself. Both the things happen, right? If I receive, I feel ki I was such a strange uh, girl and I felt so unloved and so marginalized throughout my life and I continue to feel that way in many respects. But the thing is that every time I receive love, or a genuine approbation, like somebody who really liked my work, like they'll say, uh, somebody who really liked spending time with me and seemed to enjoy their time with me. That was like a, you know, like a, a, like on a dry, on dry ground putting water, you know, and bit by bit it moistens your soul and it starts healing you bit by bit, and you start getting the tools to love yourself a bit more, right? So I think that jointly having that experience and recognizing that joint experience doesn't mean the same thing as being exactly same. Like, whether in whether as the parent and child, whether as the teacher and student, whether as the boss and uh, employee or junior colleague and senior colleague, or friendships, I think that our positions are always shifting. And we are not always equal. And actually the beauty of politics and language lies in not misusing inequality. Inequality to, But we don't do There is a beauty, a love, and an acceptance of each other. Bhi hai, right? That I r- recognize that every one of us is fragile. I'm also fragile, you are also fragile. But you are right now more fragile than me. So I will put my fragility aside for some time, but I may not put it aside forever and ever. So I think these negotiations, what we're really saying is that it's an eternal negotiation. And we need to have many languages to carry out that negotiation. Singular language will never be enough for us. And it will always make us lonely because we cannot express our full selves. So we have to jate na. Actually, we keep ourselves company. The many aspects of ourselves keep each other company. If I have had a breakup, but I do very well at work. The part of me that did well at work keeps the part of me that's feeling rejected company and says, it's okay, you will feel better in a while. And that does offset. So the idea that our different aspects keep each other company and save us from being absolutely lonely, I think it's very true. And to express all those different aspects, we need many languages. We need the language of rights and politics and terminology and identification and labeling also. But we need the language of emotion, of of sensuality. Uh, And like we discussed, I think stories, they provide language for experience in a very beautiful way. And so does all of art and creativity allow for that. Like that's why I'm saying slang. I look at it as an act of creativity. Ki not only is it that. See, the thing is that we accept mansplaining, but the slang that comes out, we won't accept that. Why? So different things. I think like Dada Giri. Dada Giri is a word which came from people who were actually dadas on the street. But we understand what it means. Like, you know, why are you doing so much with me? I mean, it's a very good word for explaining a bossiness or a little bullying that you're doing, unfair use of yours. So I think that uh, the slang language, ki the official nahi hoti hai, it also gives us so much expression for our experiences in a gentler way. It's a more playful and loving um, description of interaction. It does, that doesn't mean it's all positive. Something like dadagiri is not a very hard-edged word. It is a more like mazedar word, which is not the same thing as saying, don't oppress me. Like oppression and <laughs> allow us to express different aspects of experience, right? So I think that also that language and poetic languages. So not the language that is in a poem, but the language itself is poetic. Like the language of the street, that slang is poetic in a way. When we mix up Hindi and English to make a word, like I'll nicalify it. Somehow, it's a creativity, right, that we show. And that creativity is being done to join our diverse experiences together. When we mix Hindi and English, we are mixing our two different worlds in one place. And we are, instead of keeping them separated, the Hindiness and the Englishness, we are saying that all things have, aspects of my personality, they are a bit mixed up. And I'm becoming more comfortable with that mixture. And I am all those things, you know. So I feel that uh, uh, that... Uh, my cook who has uh, learned to say, oh shit from me. Now she says it very regularly because for her it is actually given that expression. Uh, ki, and earlier when she would say, oh shit, she would slightly bite her tongue. Now she says it as a routine kind of thing or I have learned certain words from her. Um, Sometimes she makes food the way that she makes that subsi at home. And then sometimes she tells me, I made देख देख so, we are exchanging language in a sense. Language if I am looking for recipes on the internet, we are transferring it. You know? So, in a sense, we are merging our many aspects and our many experiences in language. So, I think that we should allow ourselves to have.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking of how the conversations also coming together to like a nice place to sort of conclude, uh, especially with what you said about the mixing of things. So I think my last sort of say prompt question to you is, you know, is there anything that a person can do at an individual level, maybe with the lens of creativity or with the lens of pleasure to give themselves more permission than maybe the language that they know allows anything that an individual could do?
1: Yes, I think that the language of pleasure more than the I mean the language of pleasure is the language of creativity, to be honest. You know, the way that we have spoken about creativity is so unnecessarily rarefied and then reified as well that I think we need to stop doing that. There's a lot of hierarchy about creativity. Now, you cannot say that a classical singer is exactly the same as me, who can sing but is like obviously not great. Obviously not. Uh, we recognize and respect skill, talent. Uh, application over years and you know all of that but what I'm saying is that creativity does not exist only in one location creativity exists everywhere in different ways so that's quite important that we look at pleasure as the language of creativity because pleasure is essentially for me uh, I define it as the language of the senses and I define it as the education of the senses as we uh, feel with our sense like whatever senses we have because not everybody has of course got five senses but whatever senses we have total up to the sixth one, right? Like we say, I have a sixth sense. When we say I have a sixth sense, what we're really saying is I'm combining the information of my five senses. Something I saw, something I heard, something I felt, uh, something I sensed, which I think is going to be true. And then I validate that through different methods, right? Like as a scientist, as a writer, sometimes I see a little article in the paper and I think he, it's eh? like, I don't know why this is tickling my brain, right? And I'm finding it interesting. I want to think about it. Thinking is also a pleasure. It's not a bad thing. It's always told to us like, it's a very bad thing. And I don't want to go into thought. But for me, thought is the most sensual experience in the world. So that giving myself that time to think, it's not necessarily I like it, but it's calling to me. It's uh, and I follow that. And then Sometimes I build on it, right? And my skill is writing. So I use writing to write, 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 and understand kya cheez mujhe isme nazar and, then, wo hai, and then I'm able to write my column or write whatever I'm doing, right? So being able to follow your intuition comes from your senses. Uh, and the more you do it, the more you understand yourself, the more you are able to actually assert yourself. The more you are able to say Ki, mujhe ye hai, rather than bhasha you always feel disempowered. And because you feel disempowered, you keep uh, repeating that two times table of words, you know, but you are you need more language. So pleasure gives you that, and pleasure helps you to know what you wish for. And from that position of what you want, what you don't want, rather than. I don't want this, I don't want this. existing So it gives you a place to go to. So that's why I think the language of pleasure at every level is very important. The language of pleasure allows you to have friendships because there's no reason to have a friend. There's no practical reason. But they are your friends. You like them. You like the way they talk, you like the way they think. You like yourself when you are there with them, right? This is a language of pleasure. If you follow it, it creates deep solidarities and a resilience in you and a way to exist for years and years. It redefines you in a way. Um, Jahapar, I think pleasure in terms of, uh, of course, food, music, love, affection, words, all of these things also help you to feel less bad about yourself. Your capacity to give pleasure to others makes you feel good about yourself. And I think that some of the primary languages of pleasure, which are creative languages, cooking, uh, dressing up uh, by your own, you know, desires, uh, expressing the feelings you have for others, uh, asking for something for yourself, poetry, music, writing, films, photography, taking a selfie, all of these things in a way, they allow you to... Consolidate your experiences without having to fix them. That is their biggest, uh, their greatest significance, that I can express what I've experienced. I don't have to fix it. It can be in the world. It can be validated without having to be defining and definitive, which means I am allowed to change. I am not fixed by that meaning. So I'm permanently evolving, changing, going towards something. Pleasure is not a very utilitarian thing. Leisure cannot be uh, all the time purposeful. It's very is that it's not purposeful. It has to be a purpose in itself, right? That I liked, I enjoyed, I felt good. When you start to do this, I think many complex questions of equality, of personhood and of consent get addressed. I won't say they get resolved because power, the world, dynamics, all of those things. Pleasure is not some like, you know, magic mantra. Okay, I'll follow my pleasure and then will be fine. It's one of the things that helps us navigate the world. Just like law or, or medicine or education or anything else. But I think that if I acknowledge that pleasure is a very important element of human existence and of something that makes us human. Like why is pleasure a human right? because it is what makes us human, right? At the very basic level, one has to remember that human right is not something that people in Netherlands are decided Human right is that which is decided by being human. And that which we agree is a human need and uh, something everybody should have. And so we recognize that pleasure is part of human existence. It's, just, it's fundamental to human existence, hence we all have the right to it. But when we recognize that everybody's pleasure is different, pleasure is heterogeneous, what gives you pleasure and what gives me pleasure may be same or different. That means we have to try to look at each other at our human wholeness, and not only with the fixity of identity. We have to acknowledge the identity, but the identity can't be our sole way of knowing each other. So in a way, what language pleases you? Do you like to be called Paromita or do you like to be called Paru? People assume it, right? But maybe you shouldn't assume it. Maybe you should try to understand what somebody prefers. Um. You may call me Paro and I may not like it and I may not say it, but my body language might show you. So consent is woven into this. I learn to recognize. I learn to read your other languages. I learn to read your body language. I learn to, learn to read the look in your eyes, the tone of your voice. And I am not uncomfortable respecting it. The whole insistence that yes means yes and no means no and you must tell me, se, you should know everything. It means that we are giving no space for the maybe in which we come to know each other, in which we commit to each other that look, we'll walk a little bit of distance and see how far we want to walk together or in what way we want to walk together. You know, So I feel that like this mutuality, consent and personhood are woven into this idea of pleasure and that if we can privilege the language of pleasure instead of always trivializing it. I think that language of pleasure is trivialized by many domains of expertise because it's a way of exerting control. Because pleasure is unpredictable. It's unknowable. How did I fall in love with that boy? He's not my type, but I have fallen in love with him. So this pleasure that takes us to somewhere unknown, that's unpredictable. So therefore, it's also uncontrollable. So the language of control will always tell us that domain specialty means only one thing, means one thing. And pleasure is like, oh, by the way, double, triple and many more meanings are emerging, right? And I want to live in all those meanings. So I think that is why pleasure as an idea, pleasure as an experience, and pleasure as a language we wish to know and become conversant in, uh, is something that it would really help us to work more on and celebrate more and strengthen more.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think I read this somewhere, like a very t-shaped sort uh, Instagram situation, but I still like the quote. Because it was like, play is the antidote to survival mode. Hmm. So, you know, like, the uh, whole industry was like, you know, you're living in survival mode. And that's why it's happening. But it doesn't tell you how it's coming out of it, you know, because, you know, Vigilance itna but you know, pleasure maze is actually where, where you can like get out of that survival. And I think somewhere the sort of binarization of language is like language living in a survival mode in some way. And pleasure would maybe give it that permission for it to flow.
1: I mean, I have a favorite story about this, which is when my niece was very small, she used to play a typical game that babies play, right? That you hide and you say, mujhe doundo, mujhe doundo, like that. Okay? But she didn't used to say that. She used to say, When is Kishmish? She couldn't say where. So you have to find her, right? But she would always be like, ke It would be a very obvious place. So one time I uh, removed the thing and I said, Yeah, there's Kishmish. And she was very upset. Aapne? So I said, Why? She said, Aapko tha, nahi tha. You had to look for me, not find me. And I think this is one of the most stunning things anybody has ever said to me, that it was in the fun of doing something together, that we were to be joined. It was not in the accomplishment of the feat that we were currently joined, right? So I think, we lose ourselves in pleasure, right? And I also think that pain, for example, crying or feeling sad. I know that this does not fit into the definition of pleasure, but I think it belongs to the world of pleasure. Because when I say, ke, okay, I'm feeling, I'm heartbroken. I'm crying. I feel bad about myself right now. And I want to cry. And my acknowledgement to you that, okay, yeah, you are feeling this. So when we say pleasure, we are talking expansively about the whole world of emotions and experience, really, right? And saying that, uh, so we will uh, be together in this and see how long we can be together in it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the line by your niece is uh, pretty uh I like I'm still stunned by it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. very nice. Um so that brings us to the end of our conversation today. I mean you know you don't need to plug things here because you have way more reach <laughs> but if there is anything you'd still like for people to you know take a look at particularly um, like if I think you have this form on your website where people can become agents of Ish or anything particular that is going on right now which you'd like to tell them about so that they can check it out.
1: Well I think that we would love I would love it if more people of course came to agents of fish and shared their narratives share their stories. Um, I want to say that we spend a long time editing the stories. We try to work with the writers to pinpoint what they're trying to say about their experience and to make it as beautifully rendered as possible. Because we really believe that art dignifies experience, right? Instead of instrumentalizing experience, art dignifies it and gives it a beauty and says that your most painful experience also has its own meaning. Uh, that meaning is not only about adding to your Uh, status as a victim it is also about adding to your journey in life that this is the life you have lived right so um, I mean we would love it if more people came and engaged with the uh, platform of course Um, and I would also love it if uh, people would send us things that they find pleasurable like we do Thirakta Thursday on Thursdays which is a dance video which is exuberant you know not necessarily expert but it's exuberant and expresses the self um we are going we do a series every february called just duet which is people singing duets together so i mean we would love it if people entered this world of playfulness with us um but also had that world of playfulness with them so we can enter it so i have nothing to plug just like the request to be to make the world more uh, pleasurable to be in together
0: Thank you so much. I hope that people take up that cue and introduce playfulness if um, there isn't a lot of it in their lives right now. And definitely join any of these sort of ongoing campaigns and share their stories, dances or songs with us. Thank you so much, Paramita. This has been wonderful. And uh, for the listeners, you can find us at guftagutherapy.in. We are on all the social media except YouTube. And um, you can write to us, guftagutherapy at gmail.com if you want us to do any particular episodes. Thank you.